From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. Hey, hi, it's Peter Welch. Hi, Peter. Thanks so much for making time for this. Yeah, glad to do it. We're all a little bit bleary-eyed this morning. How are you feeling? Uh, somewhat the same, but I went, I went for a run, so that helped. It was an you know, exciting night. Yeah. Do you have any particular highlights? Uh, <laughs> it felt good to win. Vermont's solitary member of the U.S. House of Representatives was re-elected on Tuesday. He'll be going back to a very different legislative body next year. A historic accomplishment for the Democrats. Democrats are returning to power on Capitol Hill. They won control of the House. Democrats picked up at least 27 seats to take control of the House for the first time since 2010. We will strive for bipartisanship, but when we can't find that common ground, standing our ground. It really could be a beautiful bipartisan type of situation. This is a huge win for the Democrats, a huge setback for the president. I mean, he is going to find an opposition that he has never really encountered before. My approach is to talk to the other side, but when I'm in the minority, I can't have much confidence that the bill will get on the floor, whereas in the majority, we do. We actually can govern. Our reporter, Kit Norton, talked to Peter Welch about what happens next. Going in day one, what are the Democrats looking for? What's the one priority that they're looking for in terms of really being a check on the Trump administration? Well, I think it's two things. And we're, we're going to have a debate in the Democratic caucus. There'll be some who want to emphasize investigations and some who want to emphasize legislative accomplishment. And I definitely think we have a responsibility to do both. But if we're going to get the credibility that we have an opportunity to get, it'll be because we actually did things that made a difference in people's lives. I mean, if we pass a good prescription drug bill, even if you voted for Donald Trump, that's good for you. We have an infrastructure bill, uh, particularly one that would include building out broadband in rural America. That's good for red America. It's good for blue America. And we'll show by actions such as that, that our agenda is about making life better uh, for working Americans. Welch said he'll make new legislation a priority, but oversight of the Trump administration will still be a major part of the House agenda. The oversight function has been abandoned by the Ryan-led Congress. It, It was less about oversight and more protection racket for whatever it is the administration did or wanted to do. And we have to have oversight to make certain that taxpayer dollars are not being wasted, that uh, government policies are being followed, and that uh, there's not self-enrichment among members of the administration. Can you kind of run through, what's the mechanics of that oversight in terms of, is this hearings, is this investigations? Uh, Just kind of go through what this could look like in real time in terms of what the House could do for oversight of um, the Trump administration. Various committees have jurisdiction within their area. The committee with the most oversight responsibility is Oversight and Government Reform, and I've been a member of that committee for 12 years. And they have the authority to pick a topic. Like, for instance, right now there's a lot of questions about Ryan Zinke and how he has done things that violate federal standards that have been to his personal benefit. And oversight would include the opportunity to use the subpoenas to get information and to find the facts. The Republican majority did not do oversight, even in the face of glaring conduct by, let's say, Scott Pruitt. Did the taxpayer spend $30,000 for a security detail to accompany you on the trip to Disneyland? 
Uh, I'm, I'm unsure about that. I mean, we took... Uh, That's knowable. Yeah, the, the records show that. All right, so you, you could determine this. It's not like secret stuff. The, the they just didn't do the, the job um, because they wanted to protect the, uh, the Trump appointees. Now, it turns out the press did the job on Scott Pruitt, and they revealed just one example after another of gross misconduct and, and uh, self-dealing. That function uh, is one that the Oversight and Government Reform Committee could pursue, and they have the subpoena power, interview power, and investigatory power to do it. With all of the different people and all of the different groups and all of the different aspirations that we have and all of the different challenges we face, the question is, are we in it together or is it winner take all and you're on your own? That is the simple question that America is deciding across this land tonight. Congressman, last night in your speech uh, in Burlington, it seemed to be one of the key themes was about unity in the party and unity um, across the country. Getting the majority in the House, this is a victory under any president at any time. In this time right. where there's uh, you know, so much polarization, is it possible for the Democrats in the House to push forward with legislation that you folks believe in and remove that from the Trump administration and, and the, the aura of Trump over the country? Well, we've got to pick our battles. And we can't control Trump. And he has an approach that is unique among presidents in my lifetime. And that's to divide. And he uh, tries to excite his base. And disunity is a tactic that he's during his presidency, you know, marg vilifying people on the basis of their race, their ethnic origin, the Muslim ban, the immigration issue, and the way he talks about that. So he's clearly made a decision politically to use division as a tactic. And I think that's very detrimental to the country. There's nothing we can do that's going to stop the president from doing what the president does. But on the other hand, I think we've got some independent authority now, which we did not have when we were in the minority, to pick our legislative battles. And I know from working with my colleagues, Republican colleagues, that a lot of them are with us on net neutrality. I know that they're really concerned about broadband build-out. So my view is that we pick these issues that are good for rural America, really good for all America, and we work hard on passing legislation with Republicans for whom this will be good in their district just as much as it's good for us in Vermont. That's the approach I want us to take. We can never stop Trump from being the divider-in-chief. It's in his DNA. It's what he does, and it's worked for him. It got him elected president. But that's not what we do, and it's, not, it's certainly not why I'm in politics. You know, I've worked very well when I was in the legislature with Governor Douglas and with Governor Scott. And Governor Scott, in his uh, speech last night, I noticed, talked about working together. And frankly, that's the only way we ultimately make real progress in this country. Could you speak a little bit about your relationship with Nancy Pelosi and um, about her chances of being nominated again for speaker and her chances of becoming speaker again, and if this is the right move for the party? Well, you know, I've always had a very good relationship with her. I mean, in the question for me uh, on this whole leadership issue is not, is not who leads us. It's more uh, a question of how we're led. And the, the things that I think are essential for Congress to be more functional is, number one, we've got to decentralize power. Too much has been concentrated in the Speaker's office. We have to have much more responsibility delegated to the committees. 
And the reason for that is if you have an open committee process, a lot of legitimate issues that are debated get worked out. And uh, you've got to have a committee process that uh, allows for amendments and allows uh, for minority points of views to be heard and, and hopefully addressed. So that's a real concern of mine, and we're going to be having that discussion. We've been having the discussion within the caucus. Uh, what rule changes do we need to uh, assure that there's more responsibility in the committee itself, not just in the speaker's office? So that'll be that'll be a big discussion that we begin to have immediately upon our return. Throughout the caucus, is, is that idea of, of decentralizing the power, is that is it being recepted well? No, I've been pushing hard on that, but many of us believe that uh, the erosion of the committee process is a problem that has made Congress much less effective. I mean, what tends to happen in front of a strong committee process, everybody tries to influence the Speaker's office to get what they want, and you cut out the membership. And in fact, it got the worst ever was under Ryan, and the two most extreme examples were the bill they proposed to repeal health care. It was written entirely in secret in the Speaker's office. And even members of the Energy and Commerce Committee didn't get an opportunity to review that bill, Republicans as well as Democrats, before it was presented. And they had no uh, hearings whatsoever on the tax cut bill. You know, it, it, it added $2.3 trillion to our deficit. I mean, that's, just, that's, that's political malpractice, and everything was kept secret uh, so that there wouldn't be a response uh, there wouldn't be an opportunity to ask questions and poke holes and do the things that you have to do in a legitimate legislative process. It got really extreme under Ryan. It was very disappointing. You know, he'd been a colleague for a number of years, and, and, and uh, uh, I'd worked with him on a number of issues, some of which were helpful to Vermont. But as Speaker, basically, he caved into the Freedom Caucus and really eroded the committee process. We've got to make Congress work. I mean, I'm extremely concerned about that. In just this debating society, back and forth, tweeting one day after another, the war of tweets, it gets us nowhere. I'm hoping that there, in the Senate at least, there'll be a realization that things have been broken with the partisanship, that we are going to have to come together. Senator Patrick Leahy is hoping that a democratically controlled House could lead to more collaboration in both chambers. I hope that happens because the Senate has become too partisan. The president and the Republican leader decided they wanted to politicize the federal courts and they've made a strong effort to do that. Uh, that means they win in the short term, but America loses in the long term. Senator, you've gone through many, many changes in who holds majority in well, both the Senate and of yeah, course... Yeah, half a dozen times in both. <laughs> Even though the House uh, switched to uh, Democratic control, uh, Republicans picked up more seats in the Senate. Do you worry that that affirmation might be construed as a way of continuing to, to keep partisanship alive in the Senate? Well, I think the president will try to make it that way, but these are very, very difficult uh, red states. I think the White House will want to make it more partisan. I hope for the sake of the Senate, it doesn't become more partisan. I've been there long enough to remember when Republicans and Democrats could work together for things that help the country. Because I'm the dean of the Senate, I have 
an office in the Capitol, which is kind of a prized location with a view down the mall, balcony on it, and so on. And I continuously invite Republicans and Democratic senators together to come down there, no staff, no press, uh, just us, and talk about things and try to bring out the things that where we agree more than the things we disagree. And there has to be a lot more of that. So, Senator, you know, after this election, what really changes uh, for you in the Senate? Not much for me in the Senate, except that I'll have a majority to work with in the House. As you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I took over as vice chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. It's And the chairman and I, Dick Shelby, we're quite a bit different politically, but we're we're good friends and we've worked together to pass uh, appropriations bills that haven't been passed for 20 years. And and we've done it, in fact, getting praise from both Republicans and Democrats for doing it. It's going to be even easier because there'll be a, a Democratic chairman in the House, and it'll be much, much easier to work out agreements on bills that need to be passed. And I think that, that will be helpful. It, it helps me in a lot of other ways because, uh, as you know, I that passed a great deal of bipartisan legislation, and people are willing to join on it because of uh, the position on appropriations. Can you discuss what it was like working on uh, appropriations with the lower chamber during um, the Ryan leadership? It posed a, a great problem because they would load on what we call poison pills, everything from eliminate uh, Planned Parenthood to diminishing any kind of gun control, and so on and so forth. And they'd throw it on there. Senator Shelby, a conservative Republican, I'm a you know liberal Democrat, we joined together and said, we will oppose all of them, whether they come from the right or the left. And we got our committee to agree to it. So when they came to what we call a committee conference, where we bring our bill and they bring their bill, we have to resolve the differences, we were united. They'd never seen that before. And we said, we're not going to accept any of those. And in a matter of uh, a couple hours, around 150 of these so-called poison pills that have been encouraged by Ryan and, and the leadership were all taken out, and we got the government funded. Now, the tough issues will be, can we do an immigration bill? You know, the Senate passed five or six years ago by a two-to-one margin, Republicans and Democrats alike, a major comprehensive immigration bill. I know I was chairman of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. We did months of hearings and debate on the committee before we did it, but it passed two to one, Republicans and Democrats alike. It would have passed in the House, but the conservative caucus said they didn't want it. And the Speaker of the House said, well, if we got some of our members against it, I won't even bring it up. That was a horrible mistake, and we've been suffering because of it ever since. What I would hope, and I will say this to uh, President Trump, why don't you get some of the people who worked on that one before, come back and find some areas in immigration we can agree on, and let's pass it. I think it would help a great deal. A lot more than spending a couple hundred million dollars to take American soldiers away from their families at Thanksgiving and Christmas send them down the border for a, a show, which does absolutely nothing to help our immigration problem. You're speaking about working 
with both parties to get legislation, possibly pass legislation. Is that the goal now with the, with the House majority or uh, with, the, with the still the, the Republican majority in the Senate? Is it really to run out the clock here on this presidency and really just gum up the works? Well, I think what, there's one part that's worse. In the, remember that uh, confirmations of judges and others has to go just to the Senate, not to the House. And I think there's been a real effort to politicize our federal judiciary, put in very, very conservative uh, nominees for judges, people who have been handpicked by conservative lobbying groups, and the president would rubber stamp them and send them up. These are people in the past never would have gotten through the process. Now they are, and I think as with Kavanaugh, they are trying to politicize the federal courts. That is something that can hurt us for generations to come because, I mean, I've tried a lot of cases in state court and federal court. Every time I've gone into one of those courts, both when I was private practice and when I was a prosecutor, I could assume the judge was impartial, whether they'd been appointed by a Republican or a Democrat. Now, uh, a lot of people are going to go into courts and say, it's going to be decided before I come in here, depending upon my political background. And that's going to hurt the whole country, both Republicans and Democrats. That's going to be the effort in the uh, Senate. And I would like to get us off that effort and back to actually passing legislation. I don't know if that can be done, but I'm the dean of the Senate, and I get some say in what's done, and I will keep urging that. We asked Leahy if he had any advice for the rookie legislators heading to Washington next year. Don't think of people in the other party as the enemy. Find time to get to know each other. I once joked that I get more legislation passed in the Senate gym than on the Senate floor. You've got to get away from the spotlights. You've got to get away from the grandstanding with the press and work with each other. I think it can be done. It is much, much harder to do today than it was when I first came there. Much harder. Kit Norton covers Vermont's congressional delegation. You can find all of his reporting at vtdigger.org, along with full coverage and results from this week's general election in Vermont. The Deeper Dig comes out every week. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend or colleague to check it out. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend. Thank you.